Come on, everybody. Y'all hear me all right? Cool. Um, I'm going to get situated here. In the meantime, y'all can turn to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and um, John 8, verse 31 through 58. Give y'all a chance to get there. I don't know about this. Uh, just, everything seems wobbly up here. It's just me. <laughs> when you're there, say, uh, right on, right on. Cool. It's going to be fun. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's a compelling statement, right? It's powerful. So powerful we need to say it again. All right, repeat after me. It is for freedom, freedom. that Christ has set us free. free. Stand firm then then. and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. slavery. Powerful. Good stuff. Unless you are as snarky as I am. <laughs> at first glance, when I read this, it's, it's kind of like, it seems to me like lazy writing at first. It's like, I can picture the Apostle Paul who wrote this. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, you know? What if Pastor Joel came up and was like, sometimes church, when you're thirsty, you need to take a drink. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you're sleepy, you need to take a nap. You know what I'm saying? There's not really anything being said at first glance. You know what I'm saying? I just, when I read this the first time through, I don't mean to pick on the Apostle Paul. I don't know why I'm picking on him this morning. But uh, I, I can, if I were sitting in a congregation where he's preaching to me, I would be like, all right, Paul, so your, your point is, since I'm free, I should be free. And slavery is a bad idea. Good job, Apostle Paul. Great message. Great message. I seriously don't know why I'm picking on the Apostle Paul. I'm, apparently, I'm snarky, and I like to pick on people. I apologize. Um, but at second glance, he's right on point. You know, he's, that church was going through something that I'll get, through, get to uh, later on, but uh, they were Christians, and so they were free by the power of God, and yet they kept wandering back into bondage. And there's a, there's a verse in a, in a song we sing called Come Thou Fount. And it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And that's just so uh, sobering, you know, because we all kind of do it. You know, as Christians, we're, we're free. And yet for some reason, every single day we do something stupid. Or we do something that we just wander all the way back to sin. Or we wander ourselves back into bondage. And it's just racking my brain about it. I just don't get it, you know. But maybe it's just that, you know, we have the sin nature within us and we're always going to wander a bit. You know, um, this morning we're not going to really get into anything that deep. We're just going to be, I'm going to be talking about truth and how truth works. I'm going to be talking about sin, how sin works. I'm going to be talking about uh, the enemy and how his lies, lies operate in our lives. Um, it's really, it's basic stuff, but I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying that, uh, you know, uh, a little while ago, we went through Proverbs, and we talked about 
seeking wisdom, right? Well, I'm hoping for some understanding this morning. You know what I'm saying? Understanding is a little different than wisdom. Understanding is when that light bulb comes on and like that information you've been studying becomes a part of you. You know what I'm saying? And I'm hoping as the Holy Spirit gives us understanding that we'll wander just a little bit less. Just a little bit less. That's all I'm asking. Right? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time to come together to look into your word. God, we pray that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see more of you, to see your truth. God, we, we come against pride, anything that would uh, hold itself up against your word, your truths. Lord, tear down those walls of delusion, Lord, that'll keep us from you. We need you. Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning that we may receive your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So I'm going to tell you all a story. Uh, this is when we're going to go to John 8, verse 31. It's a long verse, but uh, it's worth going through. Verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Now I'm going to give you all some life tips, all right? Never question Jesus. Never question the truth, all right? I know we all know some delusional people out there. The truth is like clear before them, and yet for some reason they'll just make up their own truth. There's a, there's a friend of mine. She's been in love with this guy for years, all right? And he, uh, he has, like, no interest in her at all. You know, all the signs are there. You know, he doesn't respond to any texts, any calls. He's deleted her on Facebook by, by accident, you know what I'm saying? When he sees her in public, he, like, he's looking for, like, the exits. He's trying to get away from this woman. And yet still, I try to point these truths out to my friend, and she just believes that they're going to get married and live happily ever after and all that. I, I don't get it. What am I supposed to do with this person, this delusional person, right? And that's the type of delusion that Jesus is dealing with. You know, the truth is right there in front of them. But they're just not, they're not getting it. Um, some of you, oh, I forgot to tell y'all. If, if some of you, I don't want to assume y'all know who Abraham, in, Abraham is. Abraham is, uh, you know, like a forefather of faith. There are a Mount Rushmore of faith. I'm sure Abraham's face would be on it. Um, so had they just trusted in Jesus in the beginning... I believe we could have gone to chapter 9. You know what I'm saying? Everything would have been cool. But just a spoiler alert, nothing's going to be cool. By the end, if we get, by the end of the story, nothing's going to be cool at all. Let's read on. Verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. And we'll stop again. Jesus is trying to be gentle here, all right? They already messed up in the beginning, as we talked about, the delusional, but he's still trying to be gentle. He's going to try a different approach. In the, in the midst of this, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm the truth right before you. I'm trying to tell you the truth to help you be free, and you, you're trying to kill me. Now, if you read the scripture there, there's nowhere, no mention of them trying to kill Jesus, and yet they don't doubt 
they don't like say they're not going to try to kill Jesus either. You know what I'm saying? Which is which troubling, right? If I'm hanging out with you and I accuse you of something, something like maybe plotting to kill me, right? And you just move on to the next conversation. You know, we have a problem. <laughs> and that's what's happening here. Jesus might be in some trouble. I don't know. Maybe. Let's move on. Verse 39. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Now we need to pause again so we can imagine the expression that must have been on Jesus' face. Now think about this. You're talking to the Son of God, part of the Trinity, part of creating everything we see. We're talking to the Word of God. Every word we read in this Bible is Jesus himself, the Word of God. We're talking about truth itself right before you. And not only are they saying that this truth is wrong, they're saying that the truth we have comes from our Father, and our Father is God. That's what they just said to Jesus. That's mind-boggling, right? I know that we aren't as delusional as these people, right? We're, we're, we got everything figured out. But let's read more about these delusional Jews. Verse uh, 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now... What's going on back here? What's going on? Verse 42. Let's read again. Sorry, I got distracted. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language unclear to you? Is it because you are unable to hear what I say? You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is because you do not belong to God. And Jesus just told them they have a problem with their hearing. Their hearing, you know. He told them that they are that the devil is their actual father and that they don't belong to God. He's no longer being gentle. Verse 48. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'll stop again because to explain, Jews and Samaritans back then were against each other, right? It was, they were not cool at all. So for them in their minds to call Jesus a Samaritan was a huge insult. So I'll go on. Um, I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think that you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. 
My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it, and he was glad. You are not even 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away in the temple grounds. Sometimes I think about what it would be like to hang out with Jesus back in the day, you know? Can he always be so serious like we see in the paintings, you know, so stoic, so a man about the business, you know? Would he ever crack a joke? You know, and I'm, I'm sure that Jesus had to have, right? He's the author of joy, you know what I'm saying? He created laughter. I'm sure that Jesus had like some knock-knock jokes in his back pocket or something like that. I'm sure. He would have been a joy to be around. And yet you read something like this, and Jesus is also truth itself, you know what I'm saying? You can't hide nothing from him. Hanging around with Jesus, there's going to be some real talk at some point, you know what I'm saying? So there's that fun side, yeah, which I personally believe. But there's also this truth part here that you can't escape. You're going to have to deal with some stuff if you're hanging around with Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Um, There's some certain things I want to point out. Um, We'll uh, go through again. Verse 31 To the Jews who had believed him. Now I want to go over that again. These aren't your, like your, your regular Jews, you know what I'm saying? These are, like some, these are Jews that believed Jesus. They, they saw him, they heard him, and they decided, okay, I'll, I'll walk with him. I'll follow him. You know what I'm saying? They decided willingly that they were going to hear from Jesus. And yet, they didn't understand the moment they were in. They didn't understand that truth was right before them. You know, it's very possible for us to believe something and have no understanding about what we're believing. We see it all the time, right? We see it in church. You know, we, we kind of show up, just kind of going through the motions, not really sure why we're here. I mean, we'll say because it's Sunday, we're supposed to go to church, right? But still missing the fact that Jesus, the one who has set us free, truth itself is before us. You know, God has called us to be people of purpose. He doesn't want us just to kind of Go through the motions. You know, when we come to church, when we hang out with one another outside of church, when we go to our jobs, you know, we should be people of purpose. There should be a why behind what we do. And these people, these, the Jews here in this story, they, they didn't understand the moment, even though they believed, which is a scary thought in and of itself, right? We move on to uh, the second part of verse 31 and 32. It says, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus knew their hearts. You know, even though they said they believed, Jesus knew what was really up. You know, we're hanging out with truth itself. And he says, if you hold to my teachings, then you'll know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Now, when we're talking about holding to his teachings, we're not talking about like, a, like if, you're, if you're obedient enough, then you'll know the truth, and that truth will set you free. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about more of a, like a student. You know, if you're a student studying for a class and you just show up to class every now and then when you feel like it, you don't take any notes, don't do no classwork, no homework, can you really call yourself a student of that subject you're studying, right? I mean, officially you are, you're in the class, right? But you're not going to master anything in that class. On the other hand, a student that, you know, it's their desire to learn, they're still going to make mistakes, right? 
but they can be a genuine student of that subject. And when Jesus is talking about here, as far as holding to my, my teachings, it's not so much, um, I want to be careful, how I, it's not so much obedience, even though obedience is important. It's more about desire, all right? You're going to sin, you're going to mess up, like we just talked about. We're prone to wander. But is, is your desire that of Christ, that is, is this like food to you? You know what I'm saying? Is this like your shield? Is this, is the word of God Jesus to you? Is this the son of God, the word of God, like we talked about, is he truth to you? Are you a student of that? Jesus is saying that if you hold to those teachings, if you're a student, a student of Christ, then you will know the truth in that process, and that truth will set you free. And there's two parts to this. There's a part of salvation, the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's our Savior. That truth will set us free, Right? But then, as we are Christians, it's a continual process of sanctification, right? We're not just going to stop there and just say, all right, we're in, let's just, you know, call it quits for the rest of our lives. No. We need to hold to Jesus' teachings so we can continue to know more truth and be continued to be renewed and renewed more like Jesus and continue to be set free. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Move on to verse 34. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins becomes a slave to sin. Now let's talk about sin a little bit here. Let's take uh, pride, for example. All right? Pride takes a hold of you. It gets its clutches in you, and it throws you into a dungeon. All right? And it, it has you. And that pride is just going to grow and grow and grow. We have no defense against it. Lust. Right? It'll get, it'll get its grips on you. It'll put you in, into the prison and it'll torture you. It'll torment your mind. It won't let you go. We have no defense against sin. You take a look at the curses of sin, the effects of sin, like, like poverty, for example, is an effect of sin and how it just, it just um, gets its fingers in, into uh, our communities. You know what I'm saying? It, it drags the community down, drags our mentalities down. You think about fear, an effect of sin. It gets on the inside of us. You, you ever heard, um, been around people like everything that they do is motivated by anxiety, right? They might move because they're afraid. They might stay because they're afraid. They might get married because they're afraid of being alone or something. And everything they do is motiva- motivated by fear. Sin gets on the inside of you, and we have no defense against it. We, we have nothing within ourselves to defeat sin. We're a slave. Verse 35 and 36. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus is saying, he, he's our only salvation. He's our only defense against sin. I said within ourselves, we don't have this power, but Christ has that power. He's saying that, look, everything that made you a slave, I'm taking that away, and I'm accepting you into the family. You know, all that life you had in slavery is gone. You're with me now. Everything that's mine is yours. You are free indeed. Those who don't have Christ, have the, the, they're just going to be tossed in this flood of sin. You know what I'm saying? Just tossed around. Because again, they have no defense for it. You know, if you're, if you're not a Christian, then you have no reason not to, you have no reason to stop lust. Unless by like your moral standards, you see your lust is hurting somebody. You, you have no reason to stop it without Christ, right? There's, there's no, 
there's no defense. There's no reason to stop. For us Christians, you know, it's the same thing, though. God can bound us up in a certain area of our lives, an area of our lives that we're not holding to the teachings of Christ. We can stay bound there. Our minds can stay polluted by lust or by pride. You know what I'm saying? Our minds can be bound by fear. The only thing, the only salvation we have is Christ. Verse 44 and 45. <clears throat> you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of lies. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. I want to talk a little bit about how lies work against the Christian. Um, again, going back to the fact that Jesus is truth itself. Whenever truth comes at you, there's like a, you can either accept the truth or you can resist it. There's like a hostility that rises up on the inside of you. And that's what we're seeing here with the Jews. There's a lie out there. I'm just going to give you a, some examples. There's a lie that, that sin isn't a big deal, for example. You know what I'm saying? And so when someone comes along and tries to preach to them that sin is actually a big deal, what happens? You get angry. You get defensive. You know what I'm saying? You, you say, why are you trying to tell me how to run my life? You know what I'm saying? Who are you to tell me that? Um, there's a lie that, um, just like with sin, of, of, uh, that apathy is okay. You know, when we repent, we're turning from our sin and we're going in a different direction, right? And God's constantly moving us forward. It, it could be that God's calling you. We talked about missionaries. It could be God's calling you to be a missionary, but because you're so comfortable, you're not really want to, you're not trying to hear that. You know what I'm saying? You want everything in your life to stay the same. And so hostility rises up within you when you have somebody trying to, to pull you out. You know, trying to, you have someone trying to pull you out closer to God and that this uh, hostility rises up within you. You don't want to leave. There's a lie of uh, factions. And this one just breaks my heart. It, uh, the, the lie that we believe that, uh, that division is okay. Like, we'll, we'll have a problem in a church or something, and then people will get together and start talking about that problem. And another group of people will get together. You know what I'm saying? We can't really agree, so we'll find people who agree with us. And all of a sudden, we had a whole church. Now we've got a bunch of different factions in the church. And we believe a lie that that's okay. We believe it's, well, I'm right anyway, so... Who cares about unity? Even though the epistles are filled with charges for us to maintain unity, I imagine that grieves the heart of God. You know, not just with the, the church, like, like the garden here, but I'm, I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole as well. You know what I'm saying? We're so divided. You know, God called us to be together. It breaks my heart. Nevertheless, it's a lie we believe, you know? We keep letting ourselves get, in, get back into that bondage. Every time the truth is uh, preached to us, we'll put up these walls of delusion, not letting the truth in, believing that everything's okay. I want to talk about how lies not only work against the Christian, but for the non-Christian. There's a lie out there that uh, Christianity is boring. People are boring, all right? There's, just a, there's some boring people out there. Some are more boring than others, you know. But it has nothing to do with Christianity. We just read about Jesus the troublemaker. You know what I'm saying? He, everything was cool. Then Jesus started preaching some truth and like things got crazy. 
Christ is anything but boring. Christianity, the way it's supposed to be lived, is anything but boring. But that's a lie people believe, and so they won't come to Christ. They won't come to the gospel. They won't come to church because they believe that lie. There's a lie that all Christians are hypocrites. You can paint anybody as a hypocrite if you want to. You know what I'm saying? We all have our moments of hypocrisy. But there are non-Christians out there who will believe a lie that, you know, that uh, because you're a Christian, you're saying you're perfect. And so, but look at what this person did or look at what this person said, you know? And as a result, you know, I don't want, they don't want to be any, any, uh, anywhere near that, you know? It's too much drama. But it's a lie. There's a lie about uh, that God hates gay people, for example. Big time lies out there right now. And even though that phrase, God hates gay people, was nowhere in this, in this Bible. But there are plenty of non-Christians who will believe that lie and as a result won't come to the gospel. They won't come to church. They don't want anything to do with Christianity as a result of that lie. There's a lie that says that Christianity is all about following rules. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like dumbing down God. You know what I'm saying? You're taking God out of the equation. It's all about rules now. And as we know, that is a lie. You see how these lies not only work against us Christians, but also against those who, uh, who don't believe what we believe. And again, hostility rises up. I have uh, non-Christian friends that if they find out that I'm a Christian, even before I say anything, but some of them, they already immediately assume everything about me. You know what I'm saying? They assume these lies about me already. I haven't even said anything. Some, someone will get hostile with me even though I haven't said anything against them just for the fact that I'm a Christian. It's a lie. Move on to a... I'm going to close soon. <clears throat> Verse uh, 58. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, the, that phrase means a few things. We're, the context of this sermon, the Jews were holding on to their connection of being descendants of Abraham. And as a result, they assumed everything was cool, right? Jesus is saying, I, I am. I'm, I was the God before Abraham. I was the God with Abraham. I'm above that. Jesus trumps all of our excuses. All of our excuses are our walls of delusion that we put up to keep from coming to Christ. Jesus is above all that stuff. I want to go through some examples of the, uh, some things we might tell ourselves to keep us from the truth. Now remember, the, them saying that they are descendants of Abraham is a fact. You know, sometimes we can use facts to keep ourselves from the truth. It could be that you do a lot of good deeds, you know, you have a lot going on, um, but you never pray, you know, you never read the word, you know, you know, you're maybe uh, in the stillness, you know, the Holy Spirit may be putting on your heart to do something, but you've, you've kind of ignored the Holy Spirit a lot, you know what I'm saying, but you've done a lot of good things, right, so you're good. Jesus trumps that, you know what I'm saying, he gave you those good deeds to do. You might say, because I went to a Bible school, or I'm, I'm part of a ministry, or I'm a ministry leader, that I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? When the Holy Spirit's leading your heart to do something or change something, you won't say, well, I don't really need to do that because, you know, I'm, I lead this ministry. You know what I'm saying? You won't say that to yourself, like, consciously, but that's how you're living. And as a result, that truth that Jesus wants to bring you into doesn't get through because you're hiding behind the fact that you're part of this ministry or whatnot. That's not enough, church. Jesus trumps all that. 
You might not be a Christian, but, but you say, well, I'm a good person. You know what I'm saying? I fight for justice. I protest. You know, I give some change to homeless people. A good person. Well, we just talked about how sin takes a hold of you, and you have no defense against sin. Being a good person is not good enough. It could be you say you're a person of science or whatnot. Like you need proof for everything. Personally, I love science. You know what I'm saying? To me, like science just keeps pointing out how awesome God is. I don't see why there has to be one or the other. You know what I'm saying? Why can't science and medicine and whatnot be here to bless us and actually lead us to glorifying God? Because God, God is the truth, like we've been saying. Like, he's the ultimate truth. So all those things lead back to God anyway. But we'll put that wall up and we won't let the truth in. The point is, church, no matter what our excuses are, and we all have some to a degree, we need to hold to the teachings of Christ. Christian, non-Christian, he's it. He's the great I am. He's the centerpiece, you know? And I want to talk a little bit about the, the freedom that's in Christ. For context of this, this sermon, in, in truth, Christ is truth, right? There's a freedom in Christ that's uh, clarity. You know, when confusion tries to set in, and lead you astray, we can go to this Word of God and it clears up our minds, right? Before I was going to preach this sermon this morning, already the enemy was attacking my mind. You know, maybe I'm not prepared enough. Why, why am I even preaching? No, I should just let Brian come home and preach, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh. You know, maybe the stage is too wobbly and I'm just, I don't want this to be my last Sunday, you know what I'm saying? I'm already playing with my head. It can be that quick, but I go to the Scriptures and I find the truth. I don't have to be afraid, you know. Christ has got me. If God is with us, who can be against us, right? There's a security that comes in Christ. You know, I have God's approval, so I don't need man's approval anymore. You know, no longer is insecurity going to toss me to and fro. I'm not looking to you for approval anymore. I'm doing this out of love for God. He has approved me. He has sent me, right? There's so many times that we hold ourselves back because of where we've come from, because we're a, a man or a woman, because of your race, your culture. In Christ, all those things are gone. You know what I'm saying? We're all, in the, we're all on the same page. You know, he has all our differences for a reason, and we all come together. He doesn't want us to believe that lie that those things hold us back or degrade us in some way. There's freedom in Christ of, of, of a boldness. I just talked about if God is... With us, who can be against us? We should be some of the boldest people on this planet. You know what I'm saying? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, right? We've been brought close to God. So where we are, there should be liberty. We should move forward in boldness. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about boldness. You know what I'm saying? We humbly come there because we know where our source of our power comes from. Most importantly, there is a there's a power in God that we can, we can have freedom in. We just talked about a, a, a miracle of a marriage that just happened. That was, was that this past weekend? You know, you, you don't know sometimes that those things are going to work out. You know, I'm sure you all have testimonies of uh, things you didn't know you would get through. But God did his thing like he always does, right? We worry, we worry for nothing. We serve a God who still heals today. We serve a God who will still bring marriages back together. We serve a God who will, will bring children back when we thought we lost them. You know what I'm saying? That's the God we serve. We serve a powerful God. 
Let's not believe a lie that we serve a God who ain't got no power no more. You know what I'm saying? Let's not believe that. It's a lie. God is love. You know, he, God wants us to be free to love one another. Free to understand the love for ourselves, but free to, uh, I'm not talking about a worldly type of love that has conditions to it. I'm talking about a love that, you know, a worldly type of love is like, I'll love you, but don't be different than me. You know, I'll love you, but don't offend me. Because then, then, then I, can't, I ain't got nothing for you anymore. You know, this is a love that that's pursues you, that knows your faults, but still going to come and not going to give up on you. You know what I'm saying? That's the God type of love that we've been set free unto. I don't want to come across like I'm preaching like some self-help stuff. If you're getting that, you've missed the point. Self-help stuff is like, it's, it's selfish, right? It's about, you know, how can we program our minds differently so we can accomplish all the things in life that we want, and that's not what I'm talking about. God has called us to be free for him, to serve him, to worship him. He's called us to be free for one another. You know, what's God going to do with us if we're bound by fear? What's God going to do with us if we can't love one another freely? God may want to put something in your heart for somebody else, but because you're not free to love that person for whatever reason, you don't do it. You know what I'm saying? God has set us free for, for himself, for one another. It's not about us individually. Church is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But there are some lies, and I'm going to close here. There's some lies that, uh, that still keep us away, right? There's, there's lies in our media. There's lies in our, uh, our schools. Parents, if you had kids, make sure you, it's important to you to keep communication with your kid. You have no idea of the lies that be told in schools. There's lies in church. You know, we always talk about don't conform to the patterns of the, of the world. You know what I'm saying? And that's true. But there's just as many lies and drama that goes on in church as outside of church. This is why you have to hold to the teachings of Christ so you don't be deceived. Don't just believe something just because some preacher tells you that it's true. Don't take my word for it. You know, I want you to study the scriptures. And lastly, there's, and this is a a big hindrance to us, is is those who, who love us. Our family, our friends, sometimes indirectly, can hold us back. And what I mean is, you know, when you're around your family and your friends, they, uh, they get used to you as you are, right? God is moving us forward. God, you may not be the same now as you'll be a year from now. And sometimes, indirectly, family and friends can say things or do things that kind of keep you where you're at now, and God's trying to move you somewhere else. So we have to stand firm in Christ. There has to be this resolve on the inside of you that says, I, I don't care who you are. I'm not going to listen to that lie. I know the truth. I'm not going to put up with these walls of delusion anymore. I want the truth. There has to be that resolve on the inside of you. You have to stand firm and not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Amen? I'm going to pray. Joe, you can come on back up. Father God, we give you praise. We thank you that, uh, that you are sovereign, Lord, that our lives are in your hands. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord, I pray that what you've put in our hearts, Lord, that we will not uh, take for granted. Lord, that we'll seek it out. Lord, that you put in our hearts more and more to seek your truth, to leave these lies behind. God, we pray for, uh, 
for the Christian, God, that, we will, uh, ha- that you will be our number one desire. Lord, that you open our eyes to be aware of the, the enemy's schemes, that, we'll, that you open our eyes to be aware of the lies in our lives. Lord, and by your grace and by your power, they will be pushed out of the way. Lord, we pray for the non-Christian, Lord, that they will have the truth, Lord, that all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that those lies that they've been believing, Lord, would be defeated, that they would come to know you. And God, we pray for the body of Christ as a whole. God, that we can come together. Lord, that you would uh, give us a desire to, to cast down division, to cast down these factions, Lord, that we would come together in your name. May you continue to speak to us and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen.